Welcome to TSCRA Talk, a podcast by Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. I'm your host, Kristen Brown. Joining us today to talk about regenerative ranching is Jeff Goodwin with the Noble Research Institute. Jeff, welcome to TSCRA Talk. We are so glad to have you with us today. I'm happy to be here. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself to familiarize our listeners with you and your experience that you bring to the table. Yeah, I appreciate it. I work for Noble Research Institute. I'm a senior rangeland and pasture consultant. I've been at Noble for about five years. Prior to that, I was a state rangeland management specialist for NRCS, USDA NRCS in Texas. But for the past five years, I've been here at Noble, helping Noble work with producers across the Southern Great Plains. That's our focus today is to help producers provide them the information, the education, and the research they need to to help their systems and their operations become more profitable and more focused on regenerating the landscape. Perfect. Well, that's great. And talking about regenerative ranching, what exactly is that? Kind of give us a, a picture of what that means. Sure. You know, for us, well, everybody's got their own definition in space, but for us, regenerative ranching is really the process of restoring these degraded grazing lands using practices based on ecological principles. And so there's a lot of words in there, but the idea here is is really focusing on those ecosystem processes and ecosystem principles. It's about reading the land a little differently. It's about seeing the landscape a little differently. It's about changing our mindset as, as producers, changing the mindset of, I think for too many years, we've had this this idea of siloing ecology and economics. And I don't know that we can do that very much longer. We have to begin to break down the silos of ecology and economic economics and, and work and build processes to where both of those are flourishing on our ranches. The process of regenerative ranching is really focusing around rebuilding the water cycle. It's about revitalizing the ability for our ranches to capture and efficiently use the water that we receive. It's about rebuilding the energy cycle. Are we efficient at transferring the free energy that we get from the sun and transferring that into a forage product that we can harvest with a grazing animal? It's about rebuilding mineral cycles. It's about having our the ability to for our soils and to be able to, to process organic matter and to be able to, to function and, and those minerals be more freely available to increase productivity. And then largely it's about the last process that we're really focused on is, is plant community dynamics. Do we have the right plants on the landscape that, that are functioning within the system that we want to manage? And so it's really about looking at those processes, making sure that they're working most efficiently, and then working them, building those into a framework that helps us be profitable and have lasting profitability into the future. Well, that makes sense. And and so fascinating that it's a, a full look at the ecosystem, the entire ecosystem, rather than just drilling down and focusing on one component. It's the broad picture taking everything into consideration. Yeah, it's a very holistic sort of mindset. I think we've been, uh, in the industry, we get real focused. We get real focused on individual practices, on individual issues, whether that's erosion or whether it's reduced plant productivity or whatever the resource concern is we, we typically think of. Maybe it's profitability. 
and we get really myopic in our thinking at times and, and we, we miss the prairie for the grass, so to speak. And if we step back and look at the system as a whole and know that anytime we impact one resource, it ultimately impacts something else, we need to know where those ripple effects are. And if we're looking at the ecosystem as a whole, we tend to see those. Yes, that makes sense. Now, talk through a little bit some of the common misconceptions around regenerative ranching. Yeah, typically there are a few misconceptions out there. One is that uh, regenerative is just another word for organic. Not necessarily the case. Regenerative ranching is really about having a toolbox of tools and using those tools when, so let's just say the tool is brush management or the tool is grazing management or whatever the tool is, our practices, quote unquote, are our tools. And it's using those in those in the most appropriate and the most efficient way of implementing it. It's this idea of be, becoming dependent and having an annual dependency on a certain practice. That's where we tend to, to lose grips and move away from this this idea of regeneration, where we were having to have a dependency on annual fertility or synthetic annual fertility or any other annual treatment other than, say, grazing management. We want to move away from those dependencies and build a functioning ecosystem that doesn't require those external inputs. Typically, that drives productivity. It also, it's, it, it can also drive positive profitability. But again, it takes the right mindset to see those opportunities and move forward to capture them. Well, that's great. It makes sense. And now I know you've touched on this with the conversation already, but lay it out very simple for us. How do these principles help ranchers? Well, when we start talking about principles, there's there's really six of them. And we start with context. We, we have to understand the context that each individual ranch is in. It, they're all different. If you're ranching in Brownsville or, or if you're ranching in Monahans, your contexts are, are, are going to be different. Rainfall patterns are different. Soils are different. Size of the ranches, the distribution of soils across the ranch are going to be different. Forage types. So the point is, there's no cookbook for this deal. There's no recipe that we can follow. It's about seeing what you have available to you at any individual operation. The next one is keeping the ground covered. You know, I think we're going to spend a lot of money on, on research in the future. And I'm, it's going to be interesting when it all boils down to just keeping the ground covered and reducing bare ground. Soil cannot be regenerated, if you will, if it's moving. So if it's blowing or if it's washing away, it's got to stay put. And the way we keep the soil in place in many of our operations is to keep it covered. And so Mother Nature does this if we allow her to. She'll keep it covered herself, but many times we employ management practices that, that uncover the soil too many times. And so the idea then is to build forage reserve or build those residuals to keep the ground covered as much as we can. The second is, is minimizing disturbance. We want to minimize unnatural disturbance, tillage, things of that nature. And for that soil to be able to continue to cycle organic matter and build aggregation so that it can not only take in the water that through infiltration, it also gives it the ability to hold more water as we move forward. So minimizing disturbance is an important one and pretty straightforward. Increasing diversity is the next one. You know, we've, a lot of us have, uh, you know, for the last 
30 years, we focused on pushing productivity. And a lot of times that's been in a monoculture sense where we have one plant out there and we're doing these management practices to increase the productivity of that one plant. When if we, we step back and look at the cascading benefits of that diversity, multi-species diversity applies from a biological perspective, from a productivity perspective, it's really amazing at how much productivity we can increase and how we re-evaluate what we have called weeds in the past. Keeping the living root in the ground year-round is another principle we, we try to follow. The soil biology is really what's driving the train here as far as soil health. And those soil biology, they, they utilize the exudates, the, the liquids that are being pushed out of the plant roots, the sugars and starches that are being released by the plants. That's their food source. And so we want to keep a live root in the ground as much as possible to keep those, that biology active as long as we can. And then the last is the last principle we really try to promote is properly integrating livestock. So focusing on on timing, the timing, the, the intensity, the duration, and the frequency of, of the grazing management is really important for us moving forward in the regenerative ranching space. Well, that sounds like a very important foundation to consider all of those. It's not, again, just a, it's not a single item focus. It's a whole picture, a holistic approach, like you're saying. Right. So for ranchers who want to make a shift in this direction, what are some of the first steps? Because it can seem a tad bit overwhelming to think about. Yeah, I can see where some people might think that it's too much to, to handle. I, I guess the first step I would say is just be open and honest enough to ask yourself the hard questions. Really, as we, when we tend to move forward, the most successful operators that I see making a transition are just recognizing that, that we have issues in front of us. It's that mindset change. It's, it's changing how we perceive land and our operation of it. it. Once that sort of works through that barrier, we, we begin to see operations or we, we begin to see opportunities where once we might have perceived challenges. And so we see diversity as a, a benefit and instead of something we need to spray out by May the 1st. And it's not to say that those tools are bad, that they certainly aren't. There's a time and place for most of these tools. It's our annual dependency on it. it, it that's the chain we, we want to try to break. But once that mindset's been changed and you start to see things differently, then, then we begin to ask our own questions. We begin to question our own act actions. We need to constantly ask ourselves, are we doing the right thing? And I think if we do that with a renewed mindset and a focus on both ecology and economics, I think it could change the face of of ranching in, in not only Texas, but most of the country. Again, such great information. Talk to us a little bit about the economic side of things and how does this impact cattlemen financially? And this, this idea that there aren't any producers already managing this way, it's not true either. That's a that's a huge misconception too. There, there are lots of ranchers out there that are providing positive ecological returns and they're regenerating landscapes. There are a number of them. But if you know, there, there are operations out there that could use some help. And so from an economic perspective, if they want to change, we start with, we really need to start with where we're putting our money. You know, Benjamin Franklin said, a penny saved is a penny earned, right? So where are we spending our money? Uh, when we start to, to look at whether it's a, in our margins at the end of the year, 
we really need to begin to understand what are we spending on our inputs? And that's that goes from everything to, to the land management side. What are we spending in, in herbicide costs or fertility costs? But it also goes to the individual animal. What is our cost to carry that cow for a year? And can we reduce or Im- implement, uh, reduce some of those some of those costs to her. For instance, one of the big ones is winter feed costs. Do we have an excessive amount of substitution feeding in the fall rather than supplemental feeding? Supplemental feeding certainly need, needed. We've got to keep those energy requirements where they need to be and to, to maintain our health. But if we're feeding hay six months out of the year, that's probably where I would start. And so looking at our, our, our individual inputs, challenging each of those, Asking ourselves, is there a different way? Asking ourselves, if, what problem are we addressing by paying that for that input? And so once we start to really balance stocking rates based on this, and this, this renewed or different mindset, we begin to see that there are opportunities to reduce those inputs. And conversely, once we start to manage our grazing a little different, we begin to increase our recovery times. I have yet to see an operation that we work with moving forward that hasn't increased their overall annual productivity to the point where over time they increase their stocking rates. So most producers are concerned about having to reduce stocking rates beginning in the early times. But over time, by managing this way, those stocking rates will not only maintain where you are today, but will increase over time. Now, one of the things that I would caution them on is a lot of times you'll hear, well, you can double your stocking rate. That's not going to happen overnight. That's building the resiliency of your system. And I wouldn't guarantee a double anyway, but you can increase your stocking rate over time. That's certainly been well documented. Well, and it sounds like it's a long-term process with a long-term vision. It's not, not going to happen overnight, but stay the course and you'll see results down the road. Absolutely. Is there anything else that we haven't discussed? I know we could probably talk for hours about it, but things that we haven't discussed already that you think is important for cattlemen and landowners both to know? I would just say, you know, approach any of these opportunities with an open mind. Think about it, critically uh, critically question the, the management decisions that, that you make on your operation. You know, uh, I think when we begin to challenge ourselves and we, we challenge our current mindset, it opens the opportunity for us to grow and learn and really try some new things. So I would just say, go at this with an open mindset and challenge our existing paradigms because we might see a new path that we never saw before. Wonderful. Jeff, thank you so much for your time today and thank you for sharing your wisdom and your insight with us. Quite welcome, anytime. As always, to learn more about TSCRA, visit tscra.org.